Have you ever wondered if there is a different, maybe even a better way to tackle an enrollment or marketing issue? Are there processes or practices in your institution that you wonder, why does this exist and why has no one bothered to disrupt it? Or what about a hot new enrollment marketing trend that you've been asked to jump on, but you're not really sure how to do it the right way or even if it's worth doing at all? Believe me, we get it. I'm Jamie Gleason, a 20-year veteran of higher ed who has worked both inside and outside the institution and on the vendor side of enrollment marketing. And I'm Tony Frega, an 18-year recovering higher ed marketer who has seen just about every enrollment marketing model in the industry. And we've teamed up to launch the Pivot Podcast to take an issue, a hurdle, or an outdated process and suggest ways to pivot into a new direction or launch into a better process. As much as possible, we'll use actual examples, but we'll try to keep all the takeaways as fresh as possible. You'll laugh, heck, you might even cry, but we promise this is a podcast that you won't want to miss. The Pivot is proud to be a part of the Enrollify Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to this podcast at enrollify.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of The Pivot. I'm Shane Keel, your host. I'm with Tony Frega and Jamie Gleason from DD Agency. We're trying to address real-time challenges um, that enrollment marketers are facing, admissions teams are facing. And basically, we're going to start off with, where's the team at now? It's February, um, going into March, and a lot of people are thinking about their all-programs open houses or their, you know, their bigger event. And... So I think starting there and thinking about what happens if you're running an event and before the show, we were actually just connecting about this very same topic. You're, you know, structuring this event and then all the admissions people essentially say, we're too busy. We can't make it. Here's the faculty make do. Where do you even start with something like that? Given faculty are not known for necessarily (laughs) running events. Um, and so it puts you in a little bit of a tough spot. Um, but you are where you are. How do you solve it? Well, okay, I'm just going to point out the elephant in the room and say, why are the admissions folks too busy? Let's just <laughs> go there first. Um, we aren't going to solve that one. That's obviously not the pivot. But I think for an institution, that's the first question that you have to answer and the first thing you have to yeah. solve for. That's a big, big problem. But you still got to do it. The original thing, just to be fair, the original pivot was you're doing this big open house event and only three out of like six faculty members can be there. But you got to talk about multiple programs and, and, and all about the, the school. You know, what do you do? And then I threw out like, you know, I literally just this week had a client who was like, no one from admissions can do this event. So faculty are rolling up their sleeves saying, mm-hmm. we see that enrollment so bad. We don't want our programs to die. We'll show up. Yeah. And that's great. That's thanks. Yeah. But uh, marketing is kind of like, uh, I'm not sure they know how to talk about admissions yeah. enrollment related things yeah. they're not used to talking to prospective students they've never done one of these sure love the <laughs> eagerness what the heck do you do yeah i think i think both such scenarios need different responses different pivots yeah but i think there's a lot of folks in enrollment marketing who are facing this yeah i mean when i was a director of admissions i never wanted faculty just to straight up like be 
um, exclusive with students for too long of a time. And especially why, if, if, why not? Well, well, if we think uh, let's hold on a second, I'll get to that in a moment. But like when we get think about the spring, one of the things that you're dealing with most of the time for most institutions on the undergraduate level is you have a lot of juniors who are attending open house for the first time. So the last thing you want them to do is to have an extended exposure with a faculty member who only wants to talk about their program and how awesome it is. Because it's like going on a date with someone and before you know it, you're talking about the size of the family that you're going to have together. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Like that's way too fast. And I'm not ready for that yet because most students aren't ready for that. Now there might be the exception to that rule, but I think the key is like, you have to figure out, A, what faculty members are the ones that you want to connect with the students? So do you have access to every faculty member potentially? And like, how can you get the rock star faculty members in there, but not have them necessarily be the it, the uh, spokespeople for admissions? What I'd rather do is say, what's something you're great at? Like, is it a lesson plan? Is it talking about like this, you know, internship? Is it this outcome? Like, get that person to a spot where they're speaking about their expertise rather than speaking into an area where they don't have a lot to offer, AKA the admission sales pitch. I think that's fair. And I think you have to break out. I think where it's safe and fine for the faculty to really go all out about how much they love their program, which I think when you get a faculty member really being passionate about what they teach, that's the very thing that can attract a lot of students. But the challenge on an an open house, generally those are, you have a variety of students and how do you yeah. get them there? The yeah. best ones mm-hmm. I've seen and what I would do in that situation, even if I had no admissions folks, I already know what I'd do for that. <laughs> I would go get the best student, like the best couple students sure. to be the general ambassador to do. You need someone and this probably has to be a faculty member, but you have to have that faculty member do the intro that yeah. speaks about the school, about the institution and just like bleeds, you know, why we're different and all the core values and stuff like that. But once you pick someone to be almost like MC, you can let those individual program factory faculty do their thing, but you pair them up with a student. And I would almost intentionally, you could pair them up with a student in their program or not mm-hmm. on purpose yeah. so that they don't have to be that you don't let them totally go into it. Or then you have breakout sessions so that they do that. If you can do breakouts in your open house, then you let prospects self-select going to the the sub-school or the program area yeah. of study that they're more interested in. This works more on a grad level necessarily than undergrad, but it can still work on undergrad if there's a you're a large institution with a lot of schools. Sure. But again, the problem is they can get really academic and they're not often <laughs> answering the questions that a prospective student is thinking about. And that's where I think the student ambassador, I don't care what I would need to pay them. I don't care yeah. what incentive I would have to do, yep. but I would pick my best students and say, Hey, we will pay you. We will give you an incentive to do this, but we had this open house and we don't have, we're short staffed mm-hmm. and we need you to be like a promoter for our school and think about what it was like when you were picking a school and just talk about why you picked this institution. And so you get this, you train the students how you want. They become your admissions reps and you pair them up with each faculty person, and that that's what I would do. Yeah, I think I think what you're talking about too, real quick, is you know the the breakout sessions and kind of like the rotating, almost speed dating style yeah. of an event eliminates the yeah. I'm gonna hold on to this student for two hours and just tell them everything about my program because you have to rotate. And ideally, you're talking to multiple students at a time where it's a little less 
like a student has an out if they want to leave the conversation rather than feeling like they're you know attached to this faculty member at the hip now because they feel too uncomfortable to walk away or be like you know what i am not interested in your program and never was so if you're thinking about you know the the non-admission side you know not showing up what about with limited faculty admissions is there but limited faculty members where now you get almost none of and it's very select it's three yeah. so it might not even be the three programs that you think like oh these are the sexy ones that we sure. can, it might be your three worst programs it could be your i can say this maybe because i'm a communications graduate but it's a communications you know <laughs> faculty member that's like what are you going to tell me that's going to sound all that interesting yeah. um and different from other schools and so how do you kind of work with three faculty members for three programs that you know might not be the best and now you need to somehow make your institution sound more interesting while also providing that level of granularity to show difference that's different from just the that kind of an initial intro kickoff and MC that you were talking about before, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. So one way that I've actually seen this actually in real time work out is to, okay, let's just, we'll make believe we have three faculty members. And I think sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking we know all the questions that the people are going to ask. So we try to answer them in advance of them, which is not altogether a bad idea. But sometimes we actually might be putting questions out there that they actually aren't going to ask anyway. So um, what I have actually seen done before is to build a panel using those three faculty members, but throwing in someone from athletics, throwing in someone from student life and like make it so that there is an option, a plethora of like uh, situations that are represented and then open it up, have the have uh, the, the students, the uh, parents who are with them, like ask the questions. I, my head also goes into the, like the pre-building, right? How do we build the schedule so yeah. that way any of the, any of the gaps that we're afraid of are kind of filled up using video, using like really dynamic student speakers and announcers, and maybe bring in an alum who can like speak to their yep. like recent experience and like peppering the event with like all these, um, all these different kind of media multimedia types so that you're reducing the need to have, you know, these putting a huge burden on these three faculty members to basically own the whole thing. But, you know, you're giving an opportunity to help them shine where they can shine and answer questions that are real questions that people ask. I, th- I love the panel. I feel like it's always engaging and interactive. People love almost having this unscripted experience where someone's shooting back at them and like saying, oh, yeah, this is this is how I've dealt with that in the past in real time. Yeah, I, I think it works well every time. All righty. We're going to play a game, guys, okay? So first and foremost, get a pen, get a paper, pull out your notes app on your phone, whatever it might be, okay? Got it? Great. All right, what keywords does your website currently rank for? Take a couple seconds, right? One, two, three, four. I give you a few, not just a couple. What doesn't it rank for that you think it should rank for? Okay, one, two, three, four. Now, what are a few keyword opportunities that you could be winning on if you just simply tweaked some of your existing website copy? Got it? Okay, how'd you do? Ooh, not so hot. Not sure what, you can, what you're currently ranking for or not sure what you could be ranking for? Well, that's okay because our friends at DD Agency want to help you answer all of these questions. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copy should be tweaked on website pages, and so 
much more. If this sounds like something that you could benefit from, give the guys at DD Agency a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. So head on over to enrollify.org forward slash DDA SEO. That's DDA as in DD Agency SEO, or simply follow the link in the show notes below. That will guarantee you get a 10% discount off of your audit. All right, head on over to enrollify.org slash DDA SEO, or simply Google DD Agency, find DD Agency's website, and be sure to mention that you heard about them through Enrollify when you request your audit. All right, folks, back to the show. Yeah, question in this scenario, I, I just thinking through it, is this like multiple schools at an institution? It's a really broad open house, or is this more um, smaller? Yeah, I think I think an open house at a smaller school that maybe has, you know, four or five schools within yep. a, a graduate school or something. Um, and you're getting, you know, one of their business school faculty members, one of their nursing school faculty members and yeah, one of their say like a film and media yeah or <laughs> yeah. communications professor that can yeah um I, yeah where you're really spread out and you don't even know right there are a bunch of faculty within that that school uh -huh. alone but you kind of get you're getting like three really hodgepodge they might not even know each other and all and might not have chemistry mm -hmm. and um smaller pivot within right you have a panel and they're kind of asking general questions who well, who's tackling some of those more general questions when you have three specialized faculty members yeah. Um, and kind of handling handling some of those things. Yeah, that's a hard one. I mean, that's a, that's a, it's so institution specific, but I feel like you have to have, there's got to be someone who can be your generalist on the panel. Generalist. There's got to be a promoter, mm -hmm. a general yeah. promoter. Or someone who's just maybe maybe a poli sci faculty member who's really good at just pivoting and not answering the question in general. Maybe, maybe that could be maybe <laughs> Talking that could in work. circles. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think this gets to a huge thing I hear all the time though, and I think this is hard. I don't want to diminish like, yeah, it's easy. Just do this or get this. Yeah. Every idea I've ever had about, well, can you get? Often the answer I get from schools, from clients we worked with is like, the concern is the logistics. It's just so much planning. And sometimes you're just lucky to get those three, even though you wanted more. And that's the problem with an open house is, again, as you said, we're, we don't always know what to expect. And so I think you have to cut off something. And the thing you have to cut off in this pivot, uh, if I had an open house that was originally planned where I got one representative from each college or each school and it was all perfect and then I ended up, it got cut and, and I couldn't get as many, I would change the agenda. Yeah. 100%. I think you, you either have an agenda that is goes from general and allows people to break in or you let go of that Mm -hmm. And you take those three and you do the panel or whatever, uh, but you condense it so that it's not this smorgasbord of um, we have an all, we are an open buffet, all you can eat. It's not. You have to control the narrative more and you turn those three into they're just representative of. Mm -hmm. They're representative yeah. of the kind of faculty you're going to get. So you have to change the expectations at that, 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 that open house is not necessarily going to answer all of your questions. I think you have to let go mm -hmm. of that in favor of what a stronger program. And yeah. so you're headlining a stronger program. You lost your cover band, but okay, what are you going to do? Um, yeah. You're going to make it as best you can. And so, mm -hmm. but there is one role you must have. I don't even care. It's either one of those faculty or it's not. Somebody has to be that generous. Someone yeah. has to be the yeah. all things kind of, that's what I call the MC because sure. they can handle 
those kind of questions that those faculty couldn't or, or something like that mm-hmm. or do a really good job of kind of dodging it um, with a nice yeah. little answer. But you have to have someone emceeing. You brought up a point earlier about trying to get faculty there and kind of thinking they won't do it or they don't want to or they'll, they'll reluctantly come, but they kind of won't really be helpful or they'll have a negative attitude about it. And that will then show up to prospective students and then they'll feel negative about it. Mm-hmm. How would you go about, let's say you're on an admissions team, you're trying to incentivize in the same way that you mentioned a stipend for students to come. How would you get or incentivize faculty to come? Maybe that's something that you either can offer them directly or who do you need to go to? And maybe, and this is probably an age old question. (laughs) How do you then go to somebody above them and say, Hey, your enrollment sucks. Like you need to have a, have a hand in this. And, and what are they saying to the faculty that really put a little bit of the onus on them for enrollment. And I think instead of the mindset of, I'll just show up and teach and I'm doing my job and I have a great program, it's now on marketing and admissions to fill it. There's nothing more I can do. Every institution, and this has always been my experience as a former director of admissions, there are always institutions where there are people who are amazing at open houses, faculty members who are absolute rock stars. Um, Mm -hmm. And most of the time, they're the ones who are willing. So in this scenario, my imagination says these people that are able to come are actually the rock stars, which makes this scenario a much easier pivot because you know that they're reliable. Uh, you know they can speak well on like off the cuff. They are able to kind of answer some of the questions that people will most likely have. But incentivizing them is really hard. And again, yeah. my experience is that it's it's mostly an intrinsic motivation that gets people to say, oh, you know what? Like this is me getting in on the ground level um, and being almost being able to manipulate what people are interested in majoring in. So you'll have a lot of times you know, for undergraduate open houses, students, especially here in the spring, they're going to be interested in coming, but they're not necessarily 100% wedded to a program already. So and you they understand the, you might not have every faculty member there. That yeah. is not that expectation. Yeah, that's right. totally in us. Yeah, yeah we're this, like, it's internal. That's a inside baseball speaking right there. I feel for undergrad, yeah. you're spot on, JV. I feel for undergrad, honestly, though, guys, it's a little easier because undergrad open houses tend not to have this problem because it's such an important thing. No one messes with that. Second, if so-and-so can't come, there's there's undergrad, It's gen, the open houses are more representative of yeah and they're broader and mm-hmm. the expectation is that faculty are there to represent faculty but a good program has a little bit of faculty a little bit of existing student yeah a little bit of um administration and leadership yep. financial aids there admissions there and even alum like you get a little bit mm-hmm. of everything so every kind of prospect has they're not expecting more than that i think this is much harder in the adult market and the grad market and, and where i've seen this is particularly for small a couple years ago a small-ish, medium-sized private institution had the situation where the admissions, this is why I brought this up before the show, the admissions team was just like, we are understaffed. We cannot do events. And I came in as, I, you know, analyzing what they were doing in their whole enrollment marketing strategy. And I'm like, oh, obvious big gap. You guys aren't really doing enough recruitment events. You guys should be doing these program-specific events. And they're like, we can't do it. And I, it was odd because often it's the admissions teams that are able to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking mm-hmm. to the Jamie, who's the director of admissions, and I'm now trying to talk to you about who you can get. I've never spoke to the Jamie, director of admissions, who's like, yeah, we can't do that. But I knew they needed to do it. And so that had to come, Shane, from the leadership, 
the provost yeah. had to say. And Rollman is so down. Hey, this guy's pr- saying we need to do events. We haven't done events in two years. Yeah. Who can do it? And the faculty were being held. They they were told from the top, you have to help with enrollment in some way mm-hmm. because otherwise we won't be able to fill your program. Yeah. And so faculty right. had a coal put under their butt and they said, we'll show up, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then we were yeah. now having faculty doing um, these kinds of events. So this was grad and, and kind of adult degree completion. So it was a little different and it was not a large public institution. So I think the larger you are, honestly, the harder it is for someone in enrollment or even Marcom to tell faculty yeah. that they have to do anything because yeah. they yeah. they don't. And so it, yeah. that's where I think these pivots do hit a wall. Um, it's easier for the smaller, medium-sized schools where the leadership is like, we have to all be all in on this. Faculty, we need your help. And they're like, sure, show me what I need to mm-hmm. do. I'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, you can correct me if I'm, or you don't think this is fair, but I think undergrad is a little bit more of a feel good generalist experience anyway at the open house. Like, again, you're undecided on your major, you know, most likely, and you're kind of just there to get a general sense for the school. Whereas culture. For graduate school, it's, there's, there's maybe way less pressure mm-hmm. to go to graduate school. You need a better sense of ROI of going. You have, you know, direct competitors that you're competing with you know, some pretty high profile alum potentially or great faculty members, whatever. There's a lot more you're dealing with a mature audience mm-hmm. that's asking better questions. So like the panel at the undergrad level is probably pretty easy compared to the panel at the graduate level. Um, and so thinking through, you know, those two things, how do you kind of customize your, let's let's stick with a panel idea, panel to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, speaking to the actual audience you're dealing with. So I think it's it's easy to say, make a panel and have people answer questions and have a generalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you almost prep the people on the panel to make sure you don't get put in an awkward situation sure. where they're asking a question that, you know, you don't have the poli sci guy up there to, uh, <laughs> you know, do loops and circles and backflips to, to avoid a question. Um, and maybe this is again, leaning a little bit more on the grad side of things, but I think that's the one area where, you know, you could get some people asking some really good questions that you'd rather answer one-on-one and be able to think about over email sure. than, than answer live in front of a group of 50 people. Yeah, no, that's a good, I mean, that's a, that's a fair point. I think one of the advantages though, I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit on the idea that it's super easy in the undergrad market. Um, <laughs> okay. Because I think a lot of times graduate has a decentralized enrollment model where faculty members yeah. do play a little bit more of a hands-on role in the admissions process and they can guide yeah. students a little bit more clearly. Um, but that being all things being equal, I think you have to like almost give like a, a bullet point list of people on your panel and say, Hey, these are the areas like almost like your UVPs of like, these are the things that we want to like help land, help, help talk about like really solid outcomes, you know, really low, like, you know, cost comparison numbers, things like that. But maybe you don't want to go into the details, the real big weeds of them is like helping, helping faculty member to speak clearly having a having timers you know that's another way to kind of save yourself if you're like we've got like a certain amount of time that we can handle on you know on these certain questions and like if you have more questions about it like catch me afterward and we'll we'll go into more detail i feel like that could be an easier way to like make sure that you're not like going down a rabbit hole because we all know mm-hmm. faculty members um that can go down a rabbit hole and hog the mic and you know that kind of thing so you want to avoid that for sure that's bad form so thinking about the user experience and and tying that into the agenda of the event, 
I'm curious your guys' thoughts on how to structure an event so that there aren't maybe lulls and gaps from a prospect's point of view. So a couple random ones that come to mind of you have these different breakout sessions. None of them particularly appeal to me. So what's built in kind of for me when I don't care about these three, four other things, or we're hosting this panel. Great. Sometimes depending on the group that's there, nobody wants to ask the first question. And so you get a little bit of that awkward <laughs> silence. What's what gets built in to kind of make sure that things flow smoothly yeah. and that you have something for everybody without, again, having 50 people on staff to be able to tend to every little need, what do you kind of bake into the agenda or bake into each session to make sure that you're kind of covering the needs and wants of, of any particular prospect? Again, I think it just keeps coming back to the program and the agenda you've put together. You, It's, it's impossible to always build these events so that you know you're going to handle everything. And I think the antidote to that is to make sure that what you have put together is enough and is exciting enough and you don't let people kind of like div like go their own way too much. And and honestly, literally, food is actually a really oh. good filler here because mm. where you put the food in the schedule and feeding people is a great way to kind of be that filler. So yeah, you could have the three people up on the panel, or you could have this breakout part. But there's always going to be the students who are like that's not me, or what do I do? So mm. yeah, I mean, you you need to have a catch all for that. But at the end of the day what you put together is what you have. You almost do kind of need to force people into it. Well, this would be the best thing you should go to. I just want to go away from, there, there's already, an, it's already a lot of work to plan this. There's already a lot of, I'm already dealing in this situation and it, it's less than ideal. And if we tell ourselves, whether you're more on the marketing side or on enrollment management, hosting this, whatever it is, I think we need to take the pressure off and say, you don't have to design the perfect event. Yeah. It's enough just to do an, an event and you are doing the best you can with what you've got and whatever holes you do have, inevitably you're going to have some prospects that don't fit all the categories. The goal isn't actually to make a bucket for every single kind of person who could come or even to answer every question. It's The goal is just engagement with your brand and to get a really good interpersonal communication experience out of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So even if you don't have the perfect thing or person for them, what you want out of that engagement is just to understand what they need and then to be like, hey, this might not be the place for that, but I can connect you with who that would be. That's Dr. So-and-so. They couldn't be here today, but I can put you in touch with them. And that ultimately, at the end of the day, if I go to the open house as a prospect and I don't get every one of my questions answered, but I got some questions answered and pointed in the right direction, I think you're, I'm leaving happy. And yeah. that's the goal of the event. Yeah. So yeah. I love your question, but I don't want to really go into more detail on it because I, I don't want to scare everyone into like, you have to have this all perfectly laid out to do these events. No, mm -hmm. I've learned over the years, it's better that you have a less than ideal event than don't do the event at all. Yeah. The schools doing events are getting better engagement than the schools that are wussing out because they don't have the perfect cast for yeah. their event. Yeah. The show must go on. That's the pivot. Yeah. The pivot is make yeah. do with what you got. Who cares that you can't fill every idea or question or kind of prospect who's going to be there? To summarize what you're saying, so you would put way more stock in an organized event with key players rather than a strict schedule agenda of every 15 minutes are blocked off for particular things. Here's exactly where everyone's yep. going to be at this exact time. More in favor of the, hey, let's just get the best players in the room. Let's have a rough, loose structure, and then let's kind of... Mm -hmm fire by the, you know, by the hip, because you have people that are great at one-on-one -on -one communication. You have people that are great that are, you know, showing student experiences, um, in a small setting and you don't need 
75 sessions in one single day to show off everything that your school has to offer. Three really good sessions is better than 17 where, but you're stretched and you've, you you don't people really have the yeah. people for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want them to leave stressed out and thinking, oh, I missed a whole bunch or that was just too rushed. I, I do love the option of having like some kind of enduring events throughout. So if you have three planned sessions, maybe you've got a student tour guide that every 20 minutes or so they leave on a tour that's going to be applicable to the to the type of student that you have, like showing off the library, showing off, you know, the, the student commuter lounge or something like that. And like really kind of building in that like experience element of like, hey, this is what it's going to look like. And the other thing that I always love, um, and obviously this maybe depends a little bit on the the where students are in the pipeline, but having an opportunity for them to fill out the application while they're there. So if they don't identify with a particular session Mm. that they can sit down at a computer, bang out the application, it gets you an application. Maybe you have an incentive with them filling it out when they're on site. And helping them to see like, oh, yeah, this this process is fast. It's easy. I can get it all done today. I can leave with a cool sweatshirt because they gave me a 50% off coupon or something like that. I really like like that as an incentive uh, as for someone who maybe maybe doesn't identify. The one thing I would say is don't make the alternative or the enduring events more attractive than the actual open house thing. <laughs> Because then, then they'll yeah. be like, "Oh well, I'll screw that! I'm gonna go out and like look at look at the campus or something." Because I don't feel like yeah. I'm into that dude. Yeah, that's a good good segue into like putting putting a bow on the event, yeah. right? You have your closing session. You have you know you want that call to action at the end of what you want people to do. Give them the necessary information yep. so they can make an informed decision. But they have everything at their fingertips, so they don't need to scramble later and be like, oh, "What what did they say about financial aid or starting my application or what was the benefit? Yep. How long did I have to do sure. for that?" So what do you feel like is a good, again, kind of either closing session, you know, handout stuff at the end, swag, whatever it might be. Like, how do you kind of wrap up? You, you went through all the work of this event, sure. but if you kind of flop the last impression, you know, they're left with a bad taste in your mouth. How do you make sure that goes really well? And, and what does that really look like when, again, you have to be so general to all programs and, and all things? Yeah, I mean, I think that is a huge area where uh, the school, the flavor of the school has to fit like the bow, yeah. right? Like if, if you're talking about a big, you know, state school and we have, a, you know, several hundred people who are going to be at this all programs open house like that, that's going to be somewhat different. But here's I think the things that we have to make sure that we're living in is there's got to be a good after like post event communication flow that feels like it's just for me. Right. It's it yeah. can't be just like, thanks for coming. Here's your survey. Hope you had a good time. We'll be in touch. You know, it's got to, if someone comes, takes the time to visit your campus, there's no way that they should be leaving without some sort of swag. Like yeah. uh, that is like, like a complete no, no for them to leave and not become a potential marketer for your programs by wearing a mm-hmm. t-shirt, by having a tote bag, whatever you give away. It's like, they should leave it with that. And they should also, I think a very clear and kind of announced closing. One of the things that has always kind of made me very upset about some events is like when they fizzle out, it's like, there's not really like a, like a grand, like a a final congregating of the people. And then it's like, okay, it's over. It's more like, Oh, Mm -hmm. after this event's over, you just kind of go back to your car. And it's like, people are kind of like just walking all over aimlessly. I think there's gotta be like a, a closing ceremony, so to speak. If you can get a heavy hitter, you know, a dean or a provost, something inspirational, something to speak like, speak them out. I think is way way better to do than to 
let it fizzle. Remember when we worked on that uh, yeah. that Newman, that NU promotional yeah. video? Yeah. That was the inspirational piece. And there was two components. One was this B-roll that played in the background all the time that just yep. looked really cool. But there was this actual closing five-minute video that was incredibly inspirational. And I think either a video that's really inspiring or a speaker who's really inspiring. But again, in this pivot, in this situation, we're having less than ideal speakers. So let, let's say you don't have that. I would still settle for something that closes. Yeah. And then I mm-hmm. think the other thing I'd add on is I think the goal, like I'm thinking here, like how do we know if this was successful? Mm-hmm. Are we measuring the success of this open house by how many RSVPs and then how many showed? Often we look at events and we're talking with clients all the time. It's like, how many people showed up? What was the show rate? Oh, we had over 50%. Yay, right? That's actually not the goal though, believe it or not. The bigger metric, the other KPIs would be, I I, I would say whatever, if they haven't started an app, getting yeah. them to start an app. And if they've started an app, getting them to complete an app. Yeah. Those are the mm-hmm. two big wins. An mm-hmm. open house should generate a bunch more app starts. For most schools, this is going to only apply, this is most schools, I think, but where you have an app account and you set up the account. Yeah. Don't expect them to do the whole thing. I think that's way too much friction, way too overwhelming, except for some smaller schools where the app process is really simple. But other than that, if they haven't started an app, they're an inquiry or just a prospect, this is their first event, and they haven't started their application account, just getting Tony to have started his account with his basic contact info, Mm -hmm. you can let your post-app start marketing do the rest. I trust that. And so Mm -hmm. I got Johnny Prospect, who didn't start an app to start an app, that's a win. And if yeah. he had already started an app, then it's, hey, for those of you who started, but you haven't finished, we've got people from the admissions team, ideally, uh, present <laughs> here to answer your questions, getting them to complete the app. So yep. whatever stage yeah. they're at, getting them to do that next, next action yeah. stage, that to me is really the purpose of the open house. Yeah. And it should be measured by how many folks came and did that action. That's closing it out. Like, mm-hmm. make sure you don't leave. If you haven't started, make sure you at least start your account. Don't have to do the whole application today, but just start it. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if you start it but haven't completed, don't leave without getting your question answered. There's somebody here who wants to answer your question because they're shy yeah. and they don't, you know, you have to encourage that. Yeah. And I think that that goes into the all, you know, looping back to the beginning of structuring your event. You want to structure it in a way that meets the goals that you have set out. If the goal is to get, you know, this number of prospects to start versus this many to finish and structuring sessions to help enable that structuring, as you were saying, Jamie, kind of the the lasting session that's kind of always there. There's always somebody at the table to help you finish your application or get it started and and having those available to people and thinking about that prior to and not after the fact of the event being like, well, how many people did this thing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, we didn't really ask anyone to do that thing. So that's not even a fair thing to measure against Um, and making sure that that's really woven into your strategies, obviously, Super important. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts on structuring an event? What would be most helpful? Anything we didn't discuss that you think is a, is a need to know for people? You know, one of the things I would say, um, and I think that this this probably goes in these little waves, but if you think about the open house in general, obviously a lot of schools put this as a huge, like a huge determinant of future action. Like if you can get someone to show up on campus, that's a big friggin' deal. What I would encourage, and I think that the industry is probably ripe for this, is like thinking about alternative mechanisms to get like to get people on campus. And and obviously, like, you know, being on campus is a very important thing. But like, what does it look like to have open house events that are not on your campus that are actually with your people? And, And really, like, this is a bigger, grander pivot. But like 
how do we like set up some metrics that move these events to so that they're more user friendly because maybe the investment of time is, is too significant. Maybe part of their coursework is going to be hybrid. So coming to campus all the time isn't as big of a sell um, or maybe it's mm-hmm. online. So like, how do we like think about events differently? And I think that's one of those areas where I think higher ed probably should be thinking more and more. And I, I do see like smatterings of this, like in different places where they're doing like these kind of regional, you know, let's meet up at a Starbucks or let's use a hotel lobby and do something where we're bringing the show to them. Um, yeah. I just think there's some there's some powerful opportunity there. And we certainly live in a market where uh, the consumers who we're calling future students are almost demanding us being a little bit more flexible. As a person who's not change averse, I love the idea of thinking and trying out different things. Um, it doesn't yeah. make the logistics any easier in most cases, but it does change the expectation of like what this has to look like. And I think that that's mm-hmm. where higher ed maybe needs to start thinking of like, hey, maybe it doesn't have to be a three hour event. Maybe it can be mm. a 45 minute event where we have like one faculty member and one admissions person. And instead of 200 people, we get 25 quality people and the conversations are amazing. That's called an yeah. information session. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's plenty on events and structuring your event next episode we will go into marketing an event Mm. twist is to come can't give you any spoilers otherwise you can prep so we hope to see you all in two weeks thank you very much for listening this was episode one of the pivot and we'll see you again in two weeks Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.